Hey, and welcome to the Casual Chats podcast. My name is Aaron Tracy, and thank you for checking this out. I'll just briefly tell you what this podcast is about. It's done in an interview style, and each episode I'll be talking to different people in the entertainment industry about what they do and how they make a living from it. I want it to be as relaxed as possible, so just imagine you, me, and the guests just sitting down in a coffee shop for a chat. It'll hopefully be a bit of fun, and you never know, you might learn a thing or two as well. Right, let's get into it. I had a great time chatting with today's guest. He really is such a nice fella, and I think you're really going to like him. This is my interview with Andrew Marshall. My guest today has performed crowds in excess of 50,000 people. He's been on shows such as Tonight with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel Live, SNL and performed at the AMAs. He's currently playing drums for the one and only Billie Eilish. Hello Andrew Marshall. Hey man, thanks for having me. Thank you so so much for coming on. It's really really cool. I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. I suppose we'll just get into it. So you play drums for Billie Eilish. That's right. Have been for about two and a half years. Two and a half years. years. Yeah. That's a long time. And so we'll just start by asking, when did you first start playing the drums? Um, I started playing when I was nine. um, And really for no other reason than I thought it looked cool. You know, I think I had a friend that played drums in school or something. And I just convinced my parents to buy me a drum set somehow. Deadly. And... Does anyone else in your family like do anything musically? Like, is... not really. Funnily enough, um, I mean, a couple of people play a little bit for fun, but um, I, you know, I wasn't looking at like a family member who was a professional musician or anything like that. But my parents were like unbelievably supportive, and um, you know, they like got me lessons and they took like enrolled me in after school music programs. And actually I went to a high school that was really not like a hundred percent specialized, but like really strong in music for that reason. Mm. And, um, you know, they'd take me to jazz clubs, like to motivate me and concerts and stuff. So jazz. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you like jazz music? Yeah. I mean, I, I came up as a jazz player, Uh, pretty much you know until like I don't know maybe college I sort of saw myself as like a if not like a straight ahead like 100% bop player at least like a working drummer type person who was kind of mostly coming from jazz okay um you know my teachers had jazz backgrounds I uh I played in jazz groups in high school and you know learned how to improvise and studied you know Elvin and Philly Joe and all those people and deadly um yeah i mean that was kind of my thing and then you know um somebody would ask me hey do you want to like play this gig with my rock band or do you want to like do this like funk gig or like play in this r&b band or do a wedding or whatever and then it was kind of like okay you know i'm actually like more of a versatile player now i haven't played a jazz gig actually the last gig that i did when i moved out of new york I, i think was like a cocktail jazz gig that was the last one i did like three three plus years ago Really? So yeah. basically, since you've been with Billy, you've stuck with the pop, basically? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's just like a, a factor of 
like the crossover between those worlds, you know? Mm. I mean, unfortunately, as much as I love to like play jazz and country and R&B and like all these other styles and, you know, on occasion I do on a session or whatever and hopefully will in the future, you know, you kind of, people tend to see you doing one thing and then that's like the thing. And I think the the pop, pop rock songwriter and jazz worlds are, two of the most far apart sort of worlds there are you know and even the crossover between them you're not talking about like straight up electronic pop and straight ahead jazz you know there's like people who do do both sort of are in that fusion space right yeah because i was i was kind of curious to hear that you just said you've done jazz because like to me jazz is like completely different to what you're doing now so like it's cool to know that like you came from like jazz which is something interesting yeah well you know the thing about jazz is like some some jazz musicians can tend to think that they are above pop or rock music or anything like that because jazz is more complicated right but pop music is insanely complicated i mean there's so much that goes into it it's just a completely different headspace a different especially way especially nowadays with all the like electronic elements it's like so common now to have like electronic like sounds in music as well so like is that like hard to replicate kind of right yeah i mean that's that's kind of what i'm referring to or part of what i'm referring to when i talk about pop being really complicated right right it is hard you know i mean it's it's extremely detailed um and the thing about the thing that about jazz is that like it teaches you how to learn other styles of music because you shed you get inside the music you transcribe solos you learn changes and like the math behind like chord substitutions and all these things and that sort of like gives you that technical basis to then be able to go and say oh okay like i can dissect this pop song that has like six snare samples and like a clap with a reverb that happens one time. And how do I make all these things happen and make it, you know, have live energy and and integrate acoustic drums and all these things. It just like sounds so complicated, but you do it very well anyways. (laughs) So that's good. Um, Thank you. So you're from New York originally, yeah? That's right. Yep. Westchester County. And you moved to LA how long ago I guess it was it was the summer of 2017 so I guess it was actually a little bit under three years at this point okay two years 10 months two years 10 months and what did you do when you first got to LA I assume well did you have the gig with Billy Eilish before you went to LA no I did not have the gig um yeah I got here and I freaked out for a while um actually i did have so i I had a tour lined up before i moved i had been playing with this awesome artist from new york called verite and um, i had been touring with her for like i don't know maybe two years two and a half years something like that and i moved here in july and i had that tour starting like middle of august and that ran basically through october mid-october Um, so I got here, like basically dropped my bags and then got on a plane back to New York for rehearsals for that tour. Um, and then I came back middle of October. Um, and then I freaked out. Then I was like, okay, I have nothing going on in LA, you know? Yeah. And also the season was kind of slowing down because touring and music in general slowed down towards the end of November into December, you know? Right. 
so um yeah then i just kind of hung out like practice like went so, to show. so you got there if i get this right and then you went back to mm -hmm. where you originally started so what did you do then when you got like back to la after that was over yeah i mean it was like three months two or three months before i got the call to audition for billy and um you know wasn't working much i had a couple gigs here and there a couple sessions you know but it was mm -hmm. definitely like kind of just slow times um but you know to be fair i hadn't spent that much time in la yet you know so right it was a good time like it you know went to clubs and like saw bands and stuff and is that where like people like spot did someone spot you because you said you got the call like did someone just like call you out of the blue like who had seen you playing or something or no actually I was recommended to Billy's management by a couple of friends who um, I knew already from New York. People, oh, okay. yeah, musicians who had moved from New York to LA either that year or previously. And, um, you know, they, they basically sort of cast a little bit of a net looking for drummers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, got recommendations from different people and, basically just through new through people that i had known for a while my name got thrown in that hat oh that's really cool so you got an audition what happened after that um it was really fast i did the audition it was an audition tape i sent in a video okay like everyone else and um i think either the, the day after i sent it in or the or like within two days i had um I, you know, I got an email from the management and they were like, you know, love your stuff. would like to talk to you. So, um, I did sort of like a, you know, a phone call interview thing. And, and then next day they were like, okay, you got it. Like, you know, give us your passport info. And I, I knew it was going to be fast because the audition was like around Christmas and they were leaving on like around the 20th or something of January for, like a three month international tour that was hitting like Asia, like Singapore and Australia and all over Europe. And I was like, I know that visas have to get in for that. So like, I better get this video in. Like, yeah, that's really, really call. soon. You think yeah. these things, well, I would have thought like that'd be like done months and months in advance. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow it, it worked out, but I just tried to get it, get it in as fast as I could. And then I had to answer like within a couple of days. That's so. really, really cool. Had you yeah. heard of her? Had you heard of Billy? Um, did you were you familiar with any of her stuff? I had only like just heard of her. Like she was sort of just entering my headspace. I didn't really know any of the music, um, but I, I definitely had heard the name. That was basically it. She yeah, was, I kind of knew her as like a new artist that was like her. You know, her name was getting thrown around. Yeah, yeah. And did you like when you basically? So you went on tour with her. When you seen like what she was doing basically did you know it was gonna blow up as it has um i didn't know that it was going to do what it's done like it's definitely exceeded my expectations um but i did know that it was going to be very cool and i knew that it was going to be like a proper touring situation and that she was getting really big and like um all the shows were sold out and she had i think she had half a million followers or something like that at that time oh really yeah um okay and, you know but the thing is like we were playing in europe we were playing 300 cap rooms three to 500 cap 
um, in New Zealand, Australia, you know, similar to 50, like, you know, clubs, small clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Then in the U S you know, we would do like a two nights in a 700 cap room or something. So it was like, you know, or, or like in B and C markets, we would do like four or 500 caps. So like to imagine from to imagine like that going to you know arenas and like huge festivals and stuff mm. within two years i couldn't see that trajectory. i think you'd be i think realistically you'd be lying if you says oh i 100 percent knew that we were gonna be doing these huge sold out shows like because like i suppose no one can predict that even if you think it's gonna be huge you can't say it's gonna happen Right. And, and even, you know, I, I kind of thought like, okay, if this, if this becomes like a regular touring thing where, you know, we're in a bus and like, you know, playing like internationally and, and playing theaters or something, I was like, that's, that's like the sky, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be amazing. And that, and that would be amazing. That's an amazing place to be. But then yeah. it just, it just went. So I'm sure, like, I'm not a drummer, but I'm sure if I was a working drummer, like, that would be the absolute dream. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just, that was just my goal always, really, is just to just, like, make a living as a musician, you know, and play different kinds of gigs. And the nature of it is, like, sometimes you play big gigs that pay well, and sometimes you play small gigs that don't pay well, or sure. small gigs that do pay well, or big gigs that don't pay well, you know, I mean, it's just like, that's the the nature of being a freelance musician is you do all kinds of things to fill your calendar. And um, I was at the time, I just wanted to work. I just, you know, wanted to share work and with other people and, and like, you know, get to know other drummers and yeah, be a part of the music community. Jeez. Well, it certainly seems to have worked out that way. What is it like playing for like one of the biggest stars in music in the world right now anyways you know there are there are things about it that are that that you might imagine like come with that you know mm. like um yeah like we're we're playing big venues i have my own dressing room like i'm on a nice bus and like you know it's we're like very well taken care of and um you know, I'm grateful and lucky to like have people reach out to me and like appreciate what I'm doing and, you know, like yeah. my video and whatnot. That's all like incredible and it's amazing. But most of my headspace and like sort of what I inhabit, the place that I inhabit, like in regards to the gig is what you would find on most other gigs, which are like like the questions of how can I, how can I play better? How does the time feel? Like, how do the drums sound? How's the tuning? Like, um, you know, how does my snare drum sound? Like I'm, you still put in the same amount of effort into making yourself sound the best basically. Like, is that what you're, yeah. What I'm yeah. Yeah. It's like, how does the show, does the show flow? Well, like how does the, you know, how can we make the show sound better? Like, um, just things that any musician would, like encounter in any playing situation you know the yeah. venue is bigger the dressing room is nicer but it's still three people on a stage playing music in real time yeah you know that's that's cool <laughs> i just yeah. like it's 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 so like it's not something that you hear every day kind of just hearing like you talk about like this is like what you do it's really really interesting to hear 
Speaking of touring, what is your favorite and least favorite part? Um, my favorite part is definitely the actual playing. Really? Like, yeah. I mean, that's why you tour, you know, yeah. is, is to get to play. Like, um, they say like, you know, you get, you get paid the, the playing, the playing part is free and you get paid to, you know, sit in a bus and sit in a plane and, you know, take a cab to a hotel and all that stuff. And it's all cool. And like, you know, we, I love hanging out with the, you know, the crew and everybody and, um, it's really fun and like we get to like go like find cool restaurants and coffee places in different you know countries around the world and whatnot yeah um but you know all of those things are so that we can put on a great show mm. and um you know that's why we're there and that's what i prepared my whole life for and that's what i love to do is to get to play you know and um i'm always trying to like you know hit a pad in the practice room and i always go to sound check just because i want to play the drums like that's what i love to do you know ironically i get to play a lot more when i'm home than when i'm on tour you know um especially now anyways <laughs> yeah exactly you know yeah um and and that's fine that's you know i'm happy to be on tour but um i definitely take all the opportunities to play that i can my least favorite part is jet lag i'm like terrible at dealing with jet lag i don't know I don't know how anyone gets better at it. I mean, I'm trying, but like, I'm still like after years of touring and even like before Billy, I was touring and dealing with jet lag, you know, with other artists and stuff. And I don't know. I just, it just destroys me. Like if I go to Europe or like Australia or I come back from one of those places, it's like four days until I'm halfway normal. Really? Because that must be really hard because I remember you were here in Ireland in, I think it was the end of August. And I think you were literally in the country for like 18 hours or something. And then yep. you were off to another country. And I'm like, and if you can't deal with the jet lag, that's definitely going to catch up on you. How do you manage it though? If you like, are you like in bad humor or how does it work? Um, you know, the thing I try to do is embrace it like more recently like uh when i go to europe i'll be waking up at two in the morning and i'm just up and then i'm just i'm just like okay i'm just up so i'll like go try to hit a yoga class at like seven and oh you do yoga yeah i do yeah okay very cool yeah it's a great thing to do on the road yeah but um just like try to get some things done and just accept that fact instead of like sitting in bed until you know 8 a.m like watching youtube or whatever yeah um actually be somewhat productive or better in yourself or something i try to yeah i try to it's hard when you're so tired you know but i think the the hardest trip that ireland trip i remember i think we were coming from russia and we were going to italy after that yes yeah, so you were going to italy that's right yeah yeah that was pretty wild but i think she actually broke one... her leg there didn't she or in, she, in she... italy she I sprained so. her ankle yeah i remember seeing on the story the next day it went from like one story in Ireland to Italy with a broken foot or something or sprained foot. Like, yeah, that was so rough. I felt so bad for her. I was like, that story was posted this many hours ago. Like they must've literally just like the jet lag. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're all dealing with it. Billy and Phineas are not immune. Um, although I don't know, they seem to be a little better than I am at it. Or maybe but... they just hide it better. It just yeah, seems like you hide it though as well. It does seem like you can hide it good. 
I mean, probably, you know, I can get through the show. Like it's yeah. fine. Yeah. But um, I remember there was one, one trip we did, we played the BBC radio one big weekend. Oh yeah. Um, and we flew, I think we flew from LA and back to San Francisco cause we were starting a tour and in, in the U S and so we were, we were in the UK for like 36 hours or, or something like we got in the day before played the show and i think we might have gone to the airport that night or something oh my god and i literally just like don't even remember playing the show i got off stage and i was like i'm in a haze right now it's like yeah mm -hmm. about performing on these huge stage huge stages like what's it like looking out onto like however many like i mentioned more than fifty thousand at least at some of those festivals what's that like feeling like do you even get to look out it's funny I have this like plexiglass screen around me. Yeah, I've noticed um, that. Yeah, um, the drum shield. And so like a lot of the time, most of my field of view is sort of the reflection of the video screen behind me. Okay. I mean, I can still see the audience, of course, like around it and through it somewhat. But like when I think of my view on a stage, it's like kind of mostly reflections of the video <laughs> behind really? me. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, man. I mean, it's just like, there have been many occasions where I've thought like I'm looking at a postcard right now mm. where it looks like it looks like like a movie poster or something for yeah. someone. I'm looking at something that has definitely been photoshopped. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, there's this um, we have this amazing photographer, Matty Vogel, and one of his images I mean, many of his images have gotten used in all kinds of things, but one of them in particular, I think it was in Russia. It's like a shot of Billy, like out at the end of the catwalk and just the entire crowd, like around her, like it's the whole arena with her in the yeah. middle of it. And it's been, I think it's, it's been on like oh, vinyl. It's been in posters and ads like that. That shot it's, is everywhere. It's actually, is that the one for the tour, like the actual tour poster? The, I think I think so. I think I it is because I was looking at that photo and I was like, "Oh, that's obviously." I I was actually thinking that's a fake photo. That's actually uh, real. Oh, that's real. And like, and that's basically my view every There's night. There's like on, on five five hundred like like okay, that's an exaggeration. There's like thousands of like these lights from iPhones basically, and yeah. you can see all these little like dots and all, and it's just it actually it really does look fake. <laughs> That's, yeah that's so mad no that, yeah so that, yeah i look out and i'm like that's you know like thinking about like looking at red rock the audience at red rocks or like even that show or any of those shows it's like this is this is like the cover of my memoir you know yeah jeez that's really really cool yeah. I'm, I'm i'm actually shocked that that's that that's a real photo um when you're doing all of this stuff are you treated like well is it like luxurious or are you staying in nice places are you staying in not nice places when you're like traveling are you staying in nice hotels or is it sleeping on a bus how does that work yeah these days um it, they treat me really well and and always have you know um yeah it's definitely like uh you know nice hotels and um we kind of have whatever we need mm. um i mean i don't you know, I don't walk into everyone place, every place and somebody hands me a plate of grapes or something, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's, but... 
it's it's nice it's definitely nice um they treat you as you deserve to be treated <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really grateful for it you know billy's team is is awesome and they really take care of everybody um yeah you know that said like in the beginning and and on other tours too that i was have been a part of you know there was there was definitely a lot of slogging you know mm. um because they're supposed to have to work within their means and yeah right you know and touring is really expensive there's a lot of overhead mm. Um, so, you know, in the beginning, we were like sharing hotel rooms and like, you know, taking rough flights with connections and everything. And like, that was fine. That was like, that was what touring was to me at that, that point. And that is still like what touring is in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, even if like the hotel is nice and like, you know, you've got a driver to take you to the venue or whatnot, like you still might be dealing with jet lag or like a hectic travel schedule, or you've played four shows in the past four yeah. days or, you know, whatever it is, like it's still touring and, um, money know, can't buy sleep. <laughs> right. Right. And like the thing about the touring at this level is that obviously there's a lot of things that are different about it than like, other tours or um smaller tours or whatever but there are a lot of things that are the same which are just like you know you you get on a plane you go somewhere you take a taxi to the hotel mm. hang out for a bit then you take you go to sound check then you hang out for a bit and you play the show i mean you know it's just like like and i said are you before, comfortable are you comfortable around everyone is everyone like is there a divide between people or is it like kind of like family as some people like i've heard people saying like oh every it's like family is it is it like that or yes i would say it's definitely like family um and it also there's the fact that you know there is a real family on the road yeah true actually and yeah. their parents are with us and you know they are a really tight-knit family and yeah it totally just um they all seem lovely from well I don't know a lot about from Instagram anyways like I know Billy's mom has set up this incredible um initiative support and feed which is basically from what I know taking it's the plant-based restaurants in LA and now in New York she's because of this COVID-19 I think they've lost a lot of business she's set up this initiative where people can place an order online and they can place an order for themselves or they can place an order for i think it's like people in like on the front line or in homeless shelters i don't know i think do you know a bit about it andrew yep yeah yeah no that, that was a great summary um people can you can place an order i think you can like donate to it right in like the um the postmates app or whatever or like you know yeah. whatever food delivery app and they're like delivering people uh, food from plant-based restaurants to like doctors and nurses and stuff and first responders and really 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 good yeah shout out stuff. shout out to maggie and support and feed that thing is awesome they're amazing you know the whole no uh, they, they seem awesome. really 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 like nice genuine people like they're both are, are they actors i think they might be yep yeah yeah both billy and Phineas's parents are actors and i think does billy I, I, billy seems to like have something to do with like she seems to like kind of like I don't know if it's like the arts or something, but she's directed like her own videos and stuff, hasn't she? And is she in, she seems to be interested in that type of stuff. Yeah, she is like um, very hands-on with everything in the whole project. And that goes from merch to music videos to um, videos 
like that we use live, you know, on the screens and lighting and colors and stage design and all everything. It all goes through her. It all comes from her. Um, to the point where like it's all an integral part of the art. Like I remember this one time, this was, this kind of amazed me. There was one song, I think we threw in a song last minute or something and like they didn't have the video for it, the music video, like to put up on the screens. And then, and she cut the song because she, she didn't want to do it without the video. Really? Like, yeah. And I was like, wow, that is really, you know, that really shows you like how her mind works is like all these things are just connected. Like um, it has to be perfect almost. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, she knows what she likes and she's right. Like about it, you know? I mean, yeah. She, like, like, it, like the visuals, if you haven't like seen a Billie Eilish gig or whatever, like the visuals that go on like behind what yous are all doing up there is like just as like interesting as like what's going on on the stage. It's really cool. Like I think oh, it's yeah. the bad guy. That's like the animation of the, like, I don't know what you call it, like a ghost or something. I, I don't know how to explain it, but that's really cool. And like, so she would have had an input in that anyways, would she? Oh yeah. Yeah. Or she, she would have probably come up with the concept, honestly. Gee, um, that's, that's cool. And had notes on like you know what exactly how it should be and what color it should be and when when like things on the screen should happen i mean that's all very much coming from her yeah sorry i distracted you from the original question there i was asking was it like a family and i just started talking about no it's all good um so you were saying because her family are there it is it's like it's really kind of close-knit yeah, you know, they're really cl- close-knit. Um, they, you know, Billy and Phineas were homeschooled. They've all spent a lot of time together, and um, they're just really close. And, you know, it's really cool to see just in general and also to see it result in this, like, just such yeah. an amazing, like, working partnership. But, um, yeah, you know, they take care of each other. They take care of us, and I think that all kind of extends, like, um, some of the crew have been there since, you know, very early on and sort of have taken that journey from 300 cap clubs or 500 cap clubs to arenas. And um, yeah, it's, it's not like just a bunch of faceless people who, you know, got another gig. And obviously like our crew has expanded, um, has expanded on every tour. And this past tour, the tour that wasn't, we had the biggest crew yet. Um, and a lot of those people are new and, you know, like not everybody hasn't gotten to know each other yet, but, mm. um, you were only, you only got to do like, well, how many shows did you get to do? Two or three, was it? We did three shows. Yeah. Three. Oh, yeah. God. And um, obviously due to the whole, everything happening now, that's been canceled. <laughs> yeah. Well, postponed, 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 <laughs> postponed. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're in a, we're in a holding pattern right now. Yeah. That's, so. that's really cool though, to know that like, it is like. A, like a family a family vibe like that's i'd say it makes you feel like a lot more like comfortable when like you go on like it sounds like you'd love it anyways but just i suppose if you have bad people around you it's not as easy to love and at least they're all good yeah no i mean and it hasn't happened to me many times but i have been on you know tough tours where that family vibe wasn't there with other artists and yeah. um you know it's tough touring is hard enough and yeah. like even you know with all the ho- nice hotels and and cheese plates in the world it's still 
you're still away from your family and your home and you're living out of a suitcase and you're jet lagged and all that yeah. stuff. So it's like, you know, having good people who care about you around is, uh, um, you know, it's really important. You spend, you spend a lot of time on the road and even me as a band member, like, you know, obviously this is a like unique kind of band. There's only one person effectively in it because Billy and Phineas are the artist. Um, yeah. You know, they're basically a duo, even though her name is on the marquee, you know. Yeah, that's so, something that, like, he... I think, in fairness to her, she gives him so much credit for her. But, like, a lot of people who I talk to, and I'm like, oh, dude, Billie Eilish is good, and they're like, yeah. And, oh, my God, her brother is amazing, I'd say. And they'd be like, who's her brother? And I'm like, <laughs> like, her brother is, like, equally as talented and puts so much work into those songs. And, like, he's... Even, like, some of the songs he's, like, done himself, like, I... I, I really think like Phineas is really cool. Like I love his stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. And his solo music is really awesome too. Isn't it? Yeah, we actually we got to play together for his project. We did uh the Jimmy Fallon show a couple months ago. I seen that. Um, yeah, that was really great. That was awesome. That was really cool. Um yeah, his song I mean his old EP is really good, but I think it's is it Let's Fall in Love for the Night. Did you just do that one? I think you did. Yeah, that's the that's the one we did on Fallon. Yeah, that one's really good. I'm starting to hear yeah. that one on the radio over here as well, which is cool. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm seeing like people like share. Do you know the way like people like share on like uh, Instagram? Like I'm actually I'm seeing him popping up now, which is like really well deserved for him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, moving on to a different topic, the Grammys. You were at the Grammys yeah. this year. I was. What was that like? That was. It was wild, man. Um, I just, I, I didn't play, you know, and that, which was fine. I got to go and hmm. me and my girlfriend went and we just, you know, sat up in the seats and just watched the whole thing. And um, we got to go to the pre-telecast where they, like, they do all the awards that aren't televised. Um, and that was the thing that surprised me because there was like 50 Grammys or I don't even know, 80 Grammys or something or more, like, announced before the TV. Really? Portion. is and that they, why some of the i seen a video of like people coming up and like telling people hey you just won the grammy i was like but they not be on stage yeah they don't televise all of them oh my god um, i didn't know that right but it makes well, sense now <laughs> yeah and i mean i guess you know in a situation where somebody was up for a grammy that wasn't televised like it's possible they wouldn't be able to go to the grammys like i don't know if they're up for yeah, some actually. award and they're on tour or they're in like the middle of like some huge recording session for a movie or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but that was like one of the coolest parts. Cause it's like much more intimate than the Grammys. It's not, there's no cameras. It's in the, the theater. I think it's the Microsoft theater. Is it um, next to Staples center? It was like a theater and you know, everybody's just kind of like sitting in the audience and then they go up and accept the award. And it's just small. It was really cool. You get to see some of the like more off the beat, beaten path awards um so that was great That's and then, really good yeah and we went over and um you know took some pictures and grammy started and we got to see like you know all the performers ariana grande and camila cabello and all these people and yeah uh billy and finn crushed it and i mean it was just like it was like wild but it's very long by the end of it we were like we have to eat some food right now <laughs> how long how long is it it was like almost four hours. It felt like three and a half or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Jesus. But 
but um i mean it sounds like fun but yeah you, you will be tired after that I'd say it's exhausting just even like listening to like all of that and cheering and like a concert's exhausting so i can imagine what that's like yeah um so did you ever think quick question about the grammys did you ever think you'd actually be at the grammys like like even in the room like i mean you know all of these things have been ambitions from when i realized i wanted to to play pop music you know yeah and, th and that happened in college at some point i sort of discovered what the pop hired gun is and you know the people that like their gigs are like growing up I mean, this is sort of <laughs> a very backstory heavy answer to a very simple question but okay i'm gonna do it anyway um yeah go on you know growing up like all the musicians that i knew played gigs around town mostly like you know jobbing musician sort of gigs um and that's great like that was awesome i've done that i did that in new york i still love playing all kinds of gigs like um but i knew that that wasn't what i wanted forever for my future and like i discovered what the working pop drummer is where your gig you know, oh, you got a gig on Saturday night. You're flying to Berlin to play a stadium or an arena or something like that. I didn't know what that was. And I discovered that. And so my ambitions sort of, I loved that whole thing. And my ambitions became like, yeah, play the Grammys, you know, play the Super Bowl, yeah. like play like whatever, I mean, you know. You need to have something to work towards. So like it wouldn't be unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know why, what about it that drew me in. I just loved it. Um, that whole lifestyle you know the idea of just like collecting the frequent fly miles and like <laughs> you know like just being this sort of like world traveling kind of person um so did i ever think that it would happen that i would go to the grammys i hoped it would happen you yeah. know no that's, I can't, that, that, that's the answer sure. like i would expect i'd expect yeah. you to like believe in yourself and like hope that that would happen and like yeah You'll probably be playing them next, so. <laughs> um, That'd be great. Yeah, right. So that's cool. Thanks for answering that question. Sure. Um. So, by what we've just heard, you've achieved so much already. Considering you're only twenty-eight years old, but what is a goal that like you're still working towards? I'm sure there's loads, but like, what is one of the main ones? Yeah, there are loads. I mean, they're all mostly like concerning playing and recording like knowledge based things i mean like gig wise i definitely checked a lot of things off the bucket list and like that doesn't mean that i don't want to play certain gigs again or certain mm -hmm. tv shows or whatever that i haven't played and you know um but now i'm, I'm just kind of like I really want to get better. Like I want to get better at drums. I want my time to get better. I want my groove to get better. Like I want to get better at tuning. I want to get better at double kick, like um, better at recording and learning about mic placement and mixing and all these things. I mean, that's sort of where I'm at. You do a lot of work in like, you don't just drum, but you also do a lot of, now I'm no good with this type of stuff, but basically what do you want to talk about it? ableton what, what is ableton for like those of us who don't know sure yeah i'm happy to talk about ableton um <laughs> the big smile on your face <laughs> uh, yeah this is the you know this is the topic um yeah i mean 
like you said, I do a lot of like technical things outside of drumming, whether it's using Ableton in the live context or like recording stuff at home. But um, Ableton basically is a software that most live shows today are run off of. It runs the tracks, it runs the click tracks, um, MIDI instruments are played from it. It sends program changes to to like hardware synths to you know change mm-hmm. patches. I mean, it basically is acts as the brain of okay the li- live show. Um, so you you do loads of that from reading your bio. Anyways, you seem to like you probably do you do as much as that as you like do drumming, like actual drumming. Do you do a lot of like would that be called programming? I'm not sure, but like you do a lot of that stuff. Programming, I guess I would call it programming. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably equal in in the broader sense. I mean, at certain times, I'm definitely doing more programming than drumming, mm. or or more more of one than the other. You know, like if I'm, for example, like if I'm learning a set of music, like when I was learning Billy's show, um, that is definitely more programming heavy than drumming, ironically, because. The programming, I think, just takes longer than like learning songs and um, requires like more tweaks and sort of like fine tuning to get it right. Like, you know, I have to decide which samples I'm going to play and where they go and how they change throughout songs and things to serve the music. You know, how do I best execute the music? And that's pretty programming heavy. But once the show is locked in in place and I'm like on a tour, then I'm just playing mostly. You know, I don't have to like manage ableton sets at least with billy we have um you know we have a playback tech and we have an md and they sort of handle like all the track stuff and um in that context now i'm just one small part of it i just program my drum pads and i send it over and then that's it okay Um, yeah but i I, like as someone who like doesn't really know a lot about like that sort of industry i I would be like ignorant to it all and just think you go out like hit a few drums and then just practice hitting drums at home. So like, it's cool to like know that, 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 like that there is a lot more work that goes into it kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's key for any working drummer now or most like working musicians in pop music, at least to have at least some kind of handle Mm. on what that is. And, um, I had like different exposures to it early on, but one of the main ones was with this artist Verite where we had, um, we had an MD who was not in the band and I was running the Ableton session and I had done that before, but it was one of the heavier Ableton sessions I've run and I had more responsibility than I had previously. And that was the the situation I found myself in. It's like, you're the drummer, you run the tracks. That's just how it goes a lot of times. Okay. Um, So, you know, if there was an issue on the road, I had to figure out how to troubleshoot it. So that's kind of how it started. And it, I was just like, oh, this is a necessity. Like, I need to know how to do this, to do yeah. this gig. I'm out on the road. I'm in a sound check. I'm having a problem. I need to fix it right now, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so it just came from there. Awesome. What is something that people would be surprised to find out about you? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an immediate answer to that, actually. You were mentioning yoga earlier, which, like, I was surprised. Like, did you, like, do much of that? Like, because that, that sounds interesting. 
Yeah, um, I guess that is something that people might be surprised to find out. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of meditation. Um, I'm definitely in that sort of self-improvement zone, both yeah. musically and like mentally, spiritually. Which is um, really important, obviously. So. Yeah, you know, emotionally. Have you always, have you always uh, been like into self-improvement, like, or is it kind of a relatively new thing? Probably since like college, I would say. I mean, I've always like worked hard at like getting better at music. Um, like I practiced in high school and stuff. But in college, I sort of, um, my musical world expanded in terms of like optimizing everything to be better at music like my practicing became less about like technical things and more about you know i would read books like this one book called effortless mastery by kenny werner where he talks about you know in order to be the best musician you can be and to be free and not like overthink what you're playing you need to just like let go of the of the need to be good and like you know meditate and there's just like all these things in the book about like just letting go and like letting your true musical self shine through. And yeah. that sort of started me on this path of like, how do I be most honest in music? Like, how do I, how do I be the best I can be? Well, all of these things go into it, you know, like being at like peak mental form in all ways. Mm. Yeah. Better yourself, um, better your music, better yourself, better your music. Exactly. Yes. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Um, so yeah. And I think that I'm definitely very prone to, um, being my own worst critic. I'm definitely my own worst critic. You know, I I'm think, never yeah. I satisfied. Don't I don't think there's anyone else in the world who like has a passion for something who like, isn't their biggest self critic. Like, I think it's like just something that, that, that comes programmed into the human mind. It's just like, you're always your worst critic, no matter whatever you're doing yeah totally and it's oh my man it is the worst it has tormented me it is like, the worst <laughs> yeah people close to me will will definitely attest to that like they'll be like why well, you're beating yourself up over this thing that is amazing you know yeah and I, I think people might be surprised to find that out where like most people might just think like oh i just sail on through and do the gig the biggest gig ever and like it's fine and like life is amazing and it is you know it's great but there's definitely a lot of like behind the scenes like angst you know and i'm just i'm just never satisfied and i'm like always trying to be better and like you know i have to tell myself all the time like no one is gonna hear that thing that you hear the yeah. fill is not rushing like you're not behind the beat in the chorus like it's fine so that yeah. definitely that is definitely a big thing with me and it's definitely yeah go on i was gonna say i mean it's 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 both good and bad right because like it helps me be better like it drives me to to get better but it also makes me sad <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's good that's relatable <laughs> that that's definitely something that i would be surprised to find out anyways that the yeah. whole answer um so don't have much left to ask you now but like one one thing i'm wondering what is something you're looking forward to after this whole self-isolation um I think I'm going to have a new perspective on touring and, and on life in general, you know, um, I think we're, we're very much in it right now and it's tough to have perspective at this moment. Like, mm. you know, 
it's it's just like kind of head down try to get things done try to stay sane you know try to keep up the yoga practice all that but afterward i think or i hope that there will be for me and for other people just a, a perspective shift of like you know i was try to get out of the rat race a little bit you know and and just slow down and appreciate the things around you because like we're all going through this time where we don't have them yeah Um, sure so i think good point yeah yeah, i think that will happen or i I hope that'll happen i'd say i'd say it will now hopefully and i hope that happens for like everyone in a way like it it needs probably it's no harm so definitely it's something good and finally I just want to know if you could have asked yourself one question in this podcast, what would it have been? Hmm. No, it's kind of a it's kind of a hard question. <laughs> Did you practice today? Did you practice today? And the answer is no, not yet. Which is no, but it's it's uh, early days yet. Yeah, it's only one p.m. So I still it's only one p.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nine p.m. here. It's one p.m. there. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Firstly, do you want to just, well, lastly, do you want to just like tell people where they can find you? Sure. Um, Instagram is probably the best place at Marshall Drums. Um, I also have a website, andrewmarshallbeats.com. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all the things. But yeah, Instagram is probably the best. Perfect. One. And YouTube, by the way, I just want to mention this really quick. Andrew, you have a YouTube channel and it's really, really cool. If you want to like, kind of like see visually what i've talked about like when we were talking about like looking out into the crowd and like seeing what you do you have these like amazing drum cam videos on your youtube channel so if they just type in is it andrew marshall and then drum cam i'm sure you'll get them up they're really really cool they're well worth a watch yeah thanks i i appreciate that i've uh i'm new to the youtube thing i'm trying to put some more videos i'll put some more videos up there but um... yeah you should definitely take advantage of the youtube algorithm <laughs> yeah yeah so i've heard it's pretty good (laughs) yeah um andrew thank you so so much for doing this my pleasure thanks for having me it was awesome i had a good chat i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and if you would please subscribe to this podcast and rate it wherever you are listening it would mean the world thanks and see you next time